We are continuing the series today of the 2023 Top 5. And the question I asked you all, when I say you all, I asked St. John was, what are you hoping for this year? And for those of you online and those of you in person, uh, those of you that turned in uh, slips, what we tried to do was to gather what you said uh, you were hoping for this year. And then we would organize that into topics. So from the answers that we got, the first one that we preached on was the plan. Um, St. John is hoping for the plan. And the question that we addressed was, what did Jesus tell us to do? What did Jesus actually tell us to do? You know, we were interested in, well, what do we do as a church? What, where are we going? What are we doing? And then we just go back to say, what did Jesus tell us to do? And what he told us to do in Matthew 28 was to make disciples and to remember that he is with us. And then I like, I wanted to leave you with this thought that since Jesus already laid out the plan, if we fail to follow the plan, the plan we follow will fail. Then we moved on to the second topic. And last week we talked about maturity. That's what St. John you were hoping for this year was to be more mature. And so we asked the question, how do we do that? How can believers reach maturity? And, and, we, and the answer to that that we covered was to realize that God already supplied our needs. True maturity is realizing that God has already given what we need. And since he has given us everything that we need, we've got to use what we've got. Maybe the problem isn't that God isn't sending you what you need. Maybe the problem is that you already have what you need, but you just don't know how to use it. You've got to use what you've got. And so today, um, I'm going to ask you to have your Bibles handy. Okay, Now, for every sermon, you need to have your Bibles handy. And for every sermon, I try to put the scriptures on there. However, today's sermon is going to be a little different because we're going to be reading a whole lot of scripture. A whole lot of scripture. And so we're going to start with Galatians, the book of Galatians, the sixth chapter and the second verse. Galatians, the sixth chapter, the second verse. And then once you find that, um, I want you to put your finger in that page or bookmark that scripture on your phone and turn and also have 2 Timothy 2.23 available. There's going to be three main scriptures we're going to be coming from. Again, St. John, this is what you requested. So we're going this is what we're going to do. 
So we, we have Galatians 6.2 and then 2 Timothy 2.23. 2, Second Timothy, second chapter, 23rd verse, in addition to Galatians 6, 2. And then in addition <laughs> to this scripture, per your request. So we have Galatians 6, 2. We have second Timothy 2, 23. I would also like you to hold open the book of Titus. Paul's letter to Titus, third chapter and the ninth verse. We're going to be doing a lot of reading today, but this is the point that we are all covering. So let us start at Galatians 6-2, and I apologize, I normally give a lot more time for people to catch up and and do, do, you know, make sure we're all on the same page. If you don't know where these scriptures are, there's a table of contents. Try to catch up with us. Everything's in the New Testament. Galatians, the sixth chapter, the second verse. I'm going to go ahead and read it out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says, carry one another's burdens. And this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 2 Timothy 2.23, once again, out of the Christian Standard Bible version says, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. And then Titus, the third chapter, the ninth verse seems to reiterate it and it says but avoid foolish debates genealogies quarrels and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless the topic for today another thing that St. John has been hoping for this year more caring, less tearing. More caring, less caring. You may be seated. And I'm just going to give you a hint. You might want to hold open that Galatians scripture. The questions that, or the responses that were given to me uh, were that I am hoping that we create a care ministry. Hmm. A care ministry. We're going to come back to that. I'm hoping that we create a care ministry that will build relationships within the church and throughout the community. And specifically this scripture, Galatians 6 2. I'm going to say this to y'all one time. Be careful when you give me a scripture backing up what you mean. Just be careful. And then the next uh, point that was brought up was to explain um, Timothy 2.23. I believe it was 2 Timothy 2.23. And how that applies to us, as the entire Bible does. 
also Titus 3.9. Once again, <laughs> if you give me a scripture as a response, we'll see what happens. These scriptures, um, especially the, the first response, um, was talking about, we're alluding to a care ministry. And I'll be honest with you, St. John, when I was studying for this, you taught me something new. Because I thought that when we were talking about a care ministry, we were talking about making sure those that are vulnerable at St. John are helped. When we're talking about a care ministry, making sure those that are unable to provide for themselves uh, um, have some form of support. And I know we have a benevolence ministry that, that we've started for that. Uh, uh, making sure that those of us who have lost loved ones are supported. And, th and that's another ministry that's coming up that we'll, we'll be discussing, uh, Stephen's ministry. I, I thought that this was the extent of the care ministry. But when you gave me the scripture, I realized that my idea of a care ministry was limited. Part of the ministry of care that we have at St. John and that we are commanded for in the Bible is to care for those who are in the wrong. Y'all chose these scriptures. So that's the scripture, that's the question we're going to talk about today. How should we treat others who are clearly wrong? Let me be very specific, St. John. How should us at St. John treat others, even at St. John, who are clearly wrong? And we got three scriptures to go through. So the first one comes from the book of Galatians. And I need you to turn with me because I want y'all to see that it's in your Bible too. The first one comes from the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. We got to read some context. The fifth chapter, the 19th verse, and we're going to be reading the rest of it. But in this scripture, uh, uh, Paul is, is distinguishing, he's, he's telling the difference between the, the spirit and the flesh. Now, some of you may say, what is this, the spirit and the flesh? Here we are. Paul says this, he says, I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's, the, that's kind of the thesis of what we're about to say. Moving on, 17. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. 
These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Galatians 5.19. Now somebody said, what is the flesh? What? Now the works of the flesh are obvious since you want the details. Sexual immorality. Sorry, parents. Moral impurity. Promiscuity. Sorry, parents. Idolatry. Sorcery. Hatreds. Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I've warned you before, that those who practice such things, those who do this all the time, those who continually do these things, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So what is Paul, once he brings the point up again, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, we got we to do what the Spirit leads us to do. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so this is where, you know, uh, uh, Paul's coming from when this new chapter starts and he says, brothers and sisters, Galatians 6.1, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, if someone is caught up in all that drunkenness and promiscuity and all this, all this hatred and envy and strife, if anybody is overtaken in this, you who are spiritual, You know, with the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You who are spiritual, do what? Restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. And then here's our scripture. Carry one another's burdens in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. When people fall, we should be the ones to pick them up. But what many people see is that when people fall, we get this Bible and we say, I told you not to do it. I told you not to be get drunk. I told you not to cheat on your wife. I told you. And look at you. Look how you disgrace St. John. Get out of here. But the scripture says, 
to carry one another's burdens. So when people are down, you don't kick them while they're down. You don't beat them up with the Bible when they're down. But you pick them up. You let them know that, you know what? Yeah, 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 you know what? You, you messed up, but let's, let's, let's figure this out together. Yeah, you, you were wrong, but, but don't, let, let, let's, let's figure this out together. You are not by yourself. You don't have to figure this out all by yourself. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So how should we treat others who are in the wrong? Restore those who fall. This is what y'all, this is what y'all wanted. Then the next scripture, 2 Timothy, the second chapter, the 14th verse, through the 26th verse. And in this scripture, Paul wanted Timothy to insist on preaching the gospel. Preach the gospel. And right after just summarizing the gospel one more time, then this is where Paul is telling Timothy, verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly uh, teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness, and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Here's an example. Hibernius and Philetus are among them. Verse 18, they have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place. Clarification. There were people saying that, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. And when we say that you'll rise one day, not really. It's really just Jesus. You'll kind of like, you know, metaphorically rise from the dead, you know, kind of like in spirit, you'll kind of rise, but not actually rise from the dead. That's what they were teaching. And Paul says that they've departed from the truth and said that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Verse 19, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, the Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord turns away from wickedness. Then he gets into this metaphor. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay. Excuse me. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So this is where Paul's trying to get uh, Timothy to say, 
Flee from youthful passions. Okay, we're talking about how to separate yourself. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes. Because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with that word again, gentleness. Why is Paul saying all this? Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. All to say this, how should we treat others who are in the wrong? Correct them. Correct those who fall. Correct them lovingly. There are people that are going to be confused about what we believe. There are people that are going to mix it up. But Paul is saying those people need to be corrected. However, don't make them feel stupid when you do it. Don't show how much bigger of a spiritual brain you have and try to make people look idiotic. Some people need to be corrected. Some people need to be turned around. And even though it might seem like they're off in their teaching, if you love them in your correction, it will come off correctly. Has anybody ever been in an argument before? Have you ever been in an argument where you were arguing something very specific and by the end it wasn't even about the thing that you were talking about? You know what it turns out being? Why you talk to me like that? Why'd you have to go there? You didn't come correct. So, so now the issue is not who did the dishes or whose turn it is to, uh, 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 to feed the dog or whatever it is. The issue is now you talk to me like I'm a child. You talk to me and you treat me like I'm less than you. you. The way you look at me is that you don't even respect me. And then that becomes the issue. How many people leave church, not because of uh, disagreements, but because they feel like they've been disrespected? Over what? That Luke is not a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are, are, are we seriously going to make people feel stupid because they, they didn't realize that Paul was not one of the 12 disciples? Are, are we really going to get on people because you you 60 years old and you don't know the fruits of the Spirit? Are, are we really going to do that? We can correct people, but it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Move on, James. Don't worry, we're going to finish very soon. Titus 3, 1 through 11. 
Titus, <laughs> Paul left Titus with a tough job. This, this church in Titus was a mess. And this is what Paul is telling Titus. It's to remind them to submit to rulers and authorities. This is verse one. To obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness. Y'all, that gentle word keeps coming up. Gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appear, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the, the washing of, of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that after having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying, verse 8, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. Teach these things so that people can act right. These are good and profitable for everyone. Paul is behind that. Now let me tell you a little bit about his enemies before we start reading verse nine. Paul's main enemies in Crete, which is where uh, Titus was, was the Judaizers. The Judaizers mainly believe that if you really want to be a Christian, if you really want to say that you are saved, you have to be like a Jew. You have to get circumcised. You have to follow all of the rules of the Mosaic Covenant. You have to follow all those rituals, do all the ceremonies. That's what you want. If you really want to be saved, these are all the rules that you have to follow. Now, some of us may not identify with the term Judaizers, but some of us know what the Hebrew Israelites are. Some of us know who the black Jews are. Same thing. Same thing. Hebrew Israelites are saying, in order for you to be saved, you need to be Jewish. You can't just be black and, and believe in Jesus Christ. You need to be Jewish and believe like the Jews. And what is Paul saying here? Verse 9, but avoid foolish debates. Y'all know people like to debate, right? But avoid foolish debates with these Hebrew Israelites. Avoid these genealogies with these Hebrew Israelites. I was looking this up, and they, they had a, all the 12 disciples or all the 12 uh, tribes of Israel and how each black person is from a different part of the world that comes from the tribe. Avoid those genealogies. Avoid quarrels. 
and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. But then Paul says, reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. For you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. What is Paul saying? Reject those who make others fall. When you put all these points together, how do we treat people who are in the wrong? It depends. There are people that fall. They have been caught in sin. They have been, uh, 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 they, are, they are at their lowest. Those are the people we want to pick up. Those are the people we want to comfort. Those are the people uh, who, who, who want to come to God and who seem like they're so far away. Those are the people that we come and, 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 and come alongside and, and help. There are people who uh, might be um, Christians, might even be here at St. John, but there's something off about what we say we believe. Instead of ridiculing them and saying, how, do you, how have you been a member of St. John for so long and you don't believe this, you, you, you come alongside and just correct them lovingly, not making them feel silly or, 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 or inferior, but, but, but correcting them uh, uh, with the intent of hopefully bringing them to the truth. But then there are those who are against what we believe. There are those who know exactly what the gospel is. They know exactly that Jesus came to save us and that he died for our sins and that he was buried and that on the third day he rose again. They know exactly that we preach salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, that there's not extra you need to do, that you don't need to be good enough or smart enough or give enough to come to Christ, but that he willingly and lovingly accepts you. They know that we preach that and they are trying to tear us away. Those people you reject. Those people, if they are at St. John, get kicked out. Those people who do not want to turn from the truth, who do not want to submit to Christ and what we believe, who do not uh, uh, want to protect uh, uh, St. John uh, uh, from the wiles of the devil, but instead are, are like wolves in sheep's clothing. Those people we reject. And when it's all said and done, and I'm closing, we need a care ministry, not a tear ministry. See, a tear ministry looks like tearing the church up. A tear ministry is one that is not interested in our brother and sister growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A terror ministry is all about making yourself feel superior and making somebody else feel inferior. A terror ministry is about uh, uh, ridiculing and, 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 and bringing people down. But a true care ministry is not just limited to those who can't feed themselves. It's not just limited to those who, uh, 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 um, those who may not have enough money. A care ministry is for those who most of society would say they are worthless and out of line and not deserving of grace. But here we are, just like Christ, 
bearing their burdens. So St. John, let's have a care ministry, not a tear ministry. 